What does the future hold? America's leading futurist, David Houle, is here to tell us in this episode of the Learning Revolution Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Learning Revolution. I am your host, Jeff Cobb, and Learning Revolution is all about helping you grow an audience, build a thriving education and training business, and change the world. You know, a key reason, really the key reason we are experiencing a revolution right now is that the world has changed and continues to change at such a fast pace. We've seen massive advances in technology, we've seen the economy and labor markets change dramatically, and we're seeing so many elements of everyday life take on a new richness and, frankly, a new complexity. The kicker, of course, is that we probably ain't seen nothing yet, as they say. So, with all of that in mind, I am thrilled to welcome David Houle to this episode of Learning Revolution. David is an old friend and colleague, but he's also a bona fide futurist, someone who spends his time thinking about and figuring out what's next and what we might be able to do about it. David's got a new book, Entering the Shift Age, and we talk about that, about the role he sees for education and learning in this new era we have entered, and also about the influence of his father, Cy Hool, who is one of the pioneering figures in adult lifelong learning. Before we kick off, just a reminder that you can get the show notes for this episode of The Learning Revolution at learningrevolution.net slash episode 16. There you'll find all of the links that get mentioned in this episode, as well as additional resources that I think you will find valuable. So now, without further ado, let's transition into the interview with David. So I am thrilled to be joined today by an uh, old colleague, an old friend, uh, and a co-author on one of my earlier books, Shift Ed, David Houle, who is uh, America's leading futurist. He has evolved into being that since the days that I knew him back in the go-go times of dot-com education, and uh, I'm thrilled to be talking with him today. He's got a new book out called Entering the Shift Age, and we're going to talk about that a little bit and just talk about this world we live in right now and... Uh, how David sees the role of learning and education in this world. So, David, welcome. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's always great to talk to you, Jeff. I'm glad to be uh, your current podcast here. Well, I'm, I'm looking really forward to the conversation. You and I talk fairly often about what's going on out there. Um, but I know, you know, one of the things that uh, listeners may be curious about right up front, and I'm sure you get the question quite a bit, and that's, how did you end up being a futurist? And and then on top of that, you know, w once you are a futurist, how do you actually go about figuring out what the future holds? Can you give us sort of a, a, a look into the, the life of, of David Hull, the futurist? <laughs> sure. I mean, people always say, oh, you're the first futurist I've ever met. Or what does that mean? So, um, well, first of all, let me define it. I define being a futurist. I define what I do is being a catalyst to get people, businesses, institutions in the world to think about the future and then to facilitate a conversation about it. And so that is what I do. And how did I prepare for it? Well, you know, the, the, the honest answer is that all my life, I've people say I've lived slightly ahead of the curve. I've chosen to do things that people said were stupid, and then a few years later everybody was doing them or people said I was crazy to do something. A couple of examples was when I was a, a young man, I 
lived in a VW van, and everyone said I was nuts to do it. And then three or four years later, everyone was living in vans. <laughs> and then I backpacked around the world, and this was like in the early 70s. And So you were a dad-in-the-wall hippie back in the day. Yeah, I was a hippie. There's no question, you know. Maybe that's one of the reasons I became a futurist. I don't know, but but uh, I'd always do things. And you know, I left there, took a 50 percent pay cut in 1980 to leave CBS to start up what became MTV, Nickelodeon, VH1, CNN, Headline News. And then, as you referenced in the introduction, you and I were at the cutting edge of uh, online courses in the late 90s. And of course, people said, "Oh, that would never work." So all my life, I've done things that people said wouldn't work. And that way, and, and, you know, just to introduce a quote, because I like quotes, the quote that has really got me through such a life is the quote from Schopenhauer. In the revelation of any truth, there are three stages. In the first, it is ridiculed. In the second, it is resisted. And in the third, it is considered self-evident. So uh, that's gotten me through a life where people shot arrows in my back. But that second part of the quote, you know, to, to your question, how do I do it? Whenever I see resistance to something, uh, some change, you know, concept of change or idea of change, it's where I focus on. So, for example, uh, you know, I wrote the book, The New Health Age, The Future of Healthcare in America, because I kept seeing all this resistance to healthcare change, so I knew it was going to happen. So, how do I do it? I take this kind of life of, of, intuitive curiosity about the future, and I've kept refining it and kept refining it. And of course, uh, when I was younger, I read all the great futurists, the ones that I stand, whose shoulders I stand on are Alvin Toffler, Marshall McLuhan, Buckminster Fuller. So I'm kind of standing on their shoulders, peering into this new century uh, with them as my uh, conceptual ancestors. And I, you know, I also say I'm the most superficial intellectual grazer you'd ever meet. Most people read books from beginning to end. I kind of jump around. I have five or six books going on at once. I scan periodicals widely. Uh, I, I, I take a lot of data from multiple places and try to assimilate it into seeing patterns or dots that might connect and to show directions. And so once I've been doing that, once I've done that for a while, uh, and I start making correct forecasts, uh, and I've made a number of them, then I kind of go to the genesis of, of that sense that I had or that moment that I had or that insight that I had and try and develop the muscle of being very sensitive and aware when I hear those things, see those things, or feel those things. So there's a bit of an intuitive uh, adaptation from a very structured past of always trying to see what the next big thing is. And so your viewpoint, I know, is that we really have reached kind of a, a turning point in, well, really in, in human evolution. I mean, your, your blog's name is, is Evolution Shift. I mean, you think a big shift is, is occurring out there right now. Can you give us, and, and I mean, folks who are listening should definitely go and get Entering the Shift Age and, and get you know the, the full download of, uh, of your wisdom on this, but can you give us the, the highlights? What are the, the fundamental aspects of the Shift Age that people really need to be tuning into? Well, sure. It would be my pleasure. You know, every, the background is, is that humanity has gone through a number of ages. <clears throat> 10,000 years ago, modern man put down roots and the agricultural age began. 300 years ago, with the introduction of the steam engine in the marketplace, the industrial age began some 40 years ago. And the 
early 70s, the information age began. And early this century, I just sensed that there was a profound change that was about to occur all around the world with humanity. And I gave it the name the shift age because I thought that everything would be in a relative rate of shift. So then when I was thinking about this, and you and I have known each other for 15 years, so this was back in 2005, 2006, every age has unique characteristics or forces that shape it. So I tried to focus on what the forces were that were going to profoundly bring about all this shift for humanity. And I narrowed them down to three. And I think these three forces... Uh, for anybody listening to this interview, if you think about them deeply enough, you realize that they're the source of all the change that you're experiencing in your life now and have for the last decade. <clears throat> First of all, is this flow to global. We're getting organized around all of this. It goes way beyond the global economy. Uh, we're getting organized around the global construct. In fact, the simplest one-line description of the shift age is that it is the global stage of human evolution. We've gone from family to tribe, to village, to city, to city-state, to nation-state. The only remaining boundaries for now planetary. Hmm. So we're getting organized around the flow to global, all of us. Simultaneously, the flow to the individual. In the last 40 years, Jeff, there's been an explosion of choice, which means the power has moved from the producer to the consumer, from the institution to the individual. So we as individuals are more powerful than we've ever been before. We can go wherever we want, whenever we want, to buy whatever we want, however we want. So we have the power. And both of these forces have been amplified, but what I think is the single most powerful force to play in the planet today and one of the few in all recorded history, and that's the accelerating electronic connectedness of the planet. When there's 7.1 billion people on this earth and 5.6 billion of them have cell phones, you have cell phone ubiquity. So we're getting ever more connected, uh, and and I did name my blog, which started it all uh, more than seven years ago, and my name on Twitter and my YouTube channel, all evolution shift, because I think this global connectedness, this neurosphere that's been created, an uh, extension of all our neurological activity, is a technological model for a new consciousness that uh, I think will start to emerge in 10 or 15 years. Well, now, and here's the the million dollar question, I guess, for uh, particularly folks who would be listening to to this show, and that's how do you now see the role of education, and, and probably even more specifically, lifelong learning, changing in this era? I mean, if it, it feels like if everything is is changing rapidly, if everything is connected, then learning has to be incredibly important. Um, who who do you think are going to be the the winners and losers when it comes to education and and, and learning? in the shift age? Well, I could jokingly say those that listen to your advice and read your great new book, uh, Leading the Learning Revolution. Absolutely. To me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I will come back to your book because I've read it and I think it's fabulous. And I think it, I'll, maybe I'll weave it into this answer. But as you know, Jeff, because we've been friends, um, my father, Cy Hool, is regarded as the father of adult education. Right. You know, Malcolm Knowles was a student of his. And he, and he wrote in 1972 that lifelong learning would be the central concept of education going forward. And, you know, now we kind of go, oh, yeah, of course. But back in the 70s, that wasn't the case. I mean, it, it's 100 years ago that universal public education really came into being in the developed countries of the world. And it wasn't until 
uh, you know, the GI Bill after World War II that that a significant part of the adult population in the United States even went to college. And then it was the latter part of the uh, 20th century where, you know, uh, lifelong learning and what uh, Dr. Knowles and my father had done really started to take root. So fast forward into uh, this century, and, you know, when you and I were, were trying to convince people that online learning was going to be significant, we always had that joke of an argument, you know, that somebody's been asleep for 300 years, and we wake them up today, right. and we take them out into modern-day America and show them a car, and they can't figure it out. We point up to an airplane, and it's beyond their comprehension. We show them a flat-screen TV, and not only can they not understand what's on it, but they can't get behind it and see who's talking. And then we walk them into a university classroom, and I'll say, oh, a university classroom. Looks and exactly the same. So yeah. It's exactly the same. And, you know, a little layer of technology, but there's one person in the front and a bunch of people sitting around, and they all have these things called books, <clears throat> and they have to write things. So to answer your question as to who are going to be the winners, um, I think, well, number one, that higher education, the standard form of higher education, not lifelong learning, is the next big bubble in the United States of America. The tech bubble is the first, the real estate bubble is the second, it's the third, because it is an antiquated system that is too much debt on the buyer side, too much debt on the seller side, a product that's become overvalued and overpriced, and a, and a delivery model that is totally inefficient, certainly compared with what's going on in the rest of the world. So I think the winners of this new time of lifelong learning are going to be older institutions that realize they have to do things in a new way, and new dynamic, more entrepreneurial uh, organizations, individuals that are starting out with none of that legacy thinking to hold them back. And, and, and you know, in my book, Entering the Shift Age, I wrote about how I think that higher ed is going to get bifurcated. If you have massive open online courses by the great universities like Stanford, MIT, and Harvard that anybody can access around the world, well, rather than spending a quarter million dollars to send your child for uh, four years on campus, why not give them $25,000 to, as fast as they want, go through 124 hours of credit uh, and get a, say, MIT certificate, if not a diploma? Mm -hmm. And so I think higher ed is going to change. But I think, as you wrote in your book, uh, Leading the Learning Revolution, and I think this is the way I reduce it, and I think you use the same language, we've gone from a knowledge society to a learning society. Having mastered a body of knowledge and saying, I've got my PhD in this body of knowledge or I took this course, no longer cuts it. If you're not in an ongoing uh, practice of learning, you're going to fall behind. Things are happening too fast. There's too much information being created. Uh, we're getting ever more connected. So we are now in a learning society. So lifelong learning is almost an axiom to living an intelligent, successful, and uh, interesting life. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I couldn't agree more with uh, with all of that. I think you you use the word entrepreneurial in there a couple of times, and I, and I think that you know being entrepreneurial, both from the standpoint of 
uh, being someone who creates and delivers education is going to be hugely important and being entrepreneurial as a learner, which I, which I think you have done an incredible job in, in really, you know, becoming a futurist because that is a, a learning profession. If, if there ever was, was one that you mentioned in there, uh, towards the beginning, your father, Cy Hul, um, who, you know, definitely is one of those towering figures in the world of, of lifelong learning uh, somebody I know who has influenced my work a great deal. I, I'd be interested to hear from you. Uh, how does his work and in, in thinking influence you these days as, as you're wrestling with this new age that we live in? Well, you know, it's a very interesting question, and I've thought about that because, you know, the older we all get, the more we realize we're like our parents. Right. And uh, so my father wrote a book, and, I, and maybe it was just that I was the right age. I think it came out when I was 13, and he, I think he'd written a couple of books before that. He wrote a total of 14 books. And the book was called The Inquiring Mind. Mm. And it was basically one of the first books that said, okay, so humans have an innate curiosity. How do we institutionalize and create structures uh, to help adults apply that curiosity to educate themselves? I mean, that's what adult education was about in the early decades. And somehow that title stuck with me, The Inquiring Mind. And my father was always curious. He was always learning new things. And I, and I wear that as a badge of honor that I have an inquiring mind. And, you know, when you tie that together with being a futurist, I've asked people, so what do you think about the future? That exact question in private, you know, at least a hundred times in the last half dozen years. And the answer is always either, oh, well, let me tell you about my plans. You know, it's all personal. Or it's, uh, oh, it's awful, you know, we're going to leave the place worse than our parents have it to us, or it's, gee, I don't know, don't think about it much. So, you know, there's, a, there's an innate lack of curiosity about the future until I think recently, I think in the shift mm-hmm. age, we're all curious about it because we're experiencing it every day, you know, our like, technological gadgets and our connectivity and the way we communicate and everything. So I, so I think um, it instilled in me being my father's son to have an inquiring mind and to realize that all my life I am a learner. My father was a learner all his life, and he tried to empower and create ways that other adults could become lifelong learners. So anybody, you know, I always go to the poet of at least my generation, Bob Dylan, you know, those not busy being born are busy dying, and I think that's the essence of lifelong learning. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, speaking of that idea of inquiring mind, and, and, and I mean, that is a great book. I, I've, I've read that book of your father's, and uh, I think anybody who's serious about lifelong education, you know, even though it was written decades ago, should, uh, should read that book. It's a great book. I'm sure that uh, some of the folks who are listening here have inquiring minds and uh, would like to know what your inquiring mind is, is currently thinking about the future. I mean, we've got a futurist here uh, on the show maybe we could get uh, a prediction or two out of you before we wrap up about, you know, things you see coming down the pipe that have you most excited right now. Well, uh, there's a lot of things. Uh, number one, as you know, on 01-01-10, January 1st, 2010, I coined the 2010 to 2020 decade, the transformation decade. The de- dictionary definition of transformation is a change in nature, shape, character, and form. So this is the decade where most of humanity's institutions, including those in higher ed and lifelong learning and K-12 education, and our ways of thinking are going to change the nature, shape, character, and form. So by 2020, the way the world looks then 
we're going to look back at 2013 and it's going to seem archaic. Everything is going to change. You know, obviously the way we communicate has changed. Uh, I think, I think by 2020, uh, what we've touched on here will be accepted as fact that we're in the global stage of human evolution. There'll be a decline. I think we're at a three, 300 year end of the apotheosis of the nation state. National leaders is an oxymoronic statement. I think that, I think that, uh, so we'll be much more globally integrated. I think that we have passed tipping points relative to the planet whereby the 2020s, if we don't have some technological innovation, we're going to have some, yeah, a whole lot of new, uh, beachfront real estate. Um, so I think that, uh, this is the time, uh, when everything is going to change so profoundly that by 2020s we will have a new consciousness. And I always like to point out that I pay a lot of attention to the digital natives, the, you know, such as your two children that have been born since 1997. Mm-hmm. They are going to lead a new consciousness. I mean, if you're born since, ni- since 2009, what has happened? Uh, everything has gone from 2G to 3G to 4G touchscreens. So we now, as humanity, even the adults, for the first time in human history, we're all participating in a global space called cyberspace. That didn't exist before. And you go down to the young, the digital natives, and they've, they've never not known content and connectivity to not be on touch screens. And so how is a three-year-old going to show up as a 20-year-old? It just makes me wonder all the time. So I think we're going to be much more globally integrated. I think we're going to have significant issues around the planet. I think that all of the ways that we think will be significantly altered. And, and finally, and I could go on for a long list, uh, it is clear to me all around the world that governments are the single largest thing holding back the evolution of humanity because governments were largely created or were modeled on those that were created uh, in the middle part of the last century. So it's an industrial age model, hierarchical bureaucracies, and hierarchical bureaucracies stand in the way of change, stand in the way of altered thinking. So I think there's going to be a radical change. I think it's going to be Internet connectivity-led in the change the structure of government. Uh, over the next 10 to 20 years. And, of course, I think if we're going global, there'll be the beginnings of a global government initially just based issue by issue, you know, the smartest chat room on the planet about climate change or financial connectivity. So I know I've kind of meandered around a lot there, but um, that's just some of the stuff that I'm thinking of. But one last thing that, because I know probably equally men and women listen to this, is uh, there's a chapter in my book, and it's a mini ebook as well, called The Ascendancy of Women. Mm. I think the shift age, and I don't know how long it will last, it will probably be over by 2030 with the acceleration speed of change. By the end of the shift age, all of the, all of the cultural, social, economic, and political gender roles that we've lived with for centuries will be wiped out. Uh, you know, as an educator, that 60% of all uh, undergraduates or bachelor's degrees are given to women in developed countries of the world, 55% all professional and master's degrees, and now a majority of PhDs if you project that forward. So I think by 2025, all of, all of the gender roles that we have lived with in recorded history will be largely changed. And again, I come back to the digital natives. Uh, and even the millennials, they were raised without the sexual or sexist uh, uh, 
gender categories that we've had. Uh, because, you know, the millennials were the first dec- dec- uh, generation raised with two-income household, right? right? Mom and dad worked. And and so I think that that is really profound. If you just, just that one thing in and of itself, uh, gender equality across the board, however you want to cut it, in the next 15 years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I love the uh, the way that uh, you talk about it in the book, and and you know, and consistently in everything you do about it. it's really going to be a a new consciousness. I mean, this isn't just a a small tweak uh, that we're experiencing here. I mean, I think people are fundamentally going to see and experience the world in a different way because of everything that we're going through right now. Now. If somebody wanted to uh, get on board with that new consciousness and uh, learn from you, because I think you are you are a teacher when it comes to this, um, where can they best find you uh, out there uh, in the world and on the web? Well, uh, so my name is David Houle. That's H-O-U-L-E. So you just type in davidhoole.com and you come to my website. You can type in David Houle, H-O-U-L-E, into the YouTube search bar, and there are dozens and dozens of videos that I have done or speeches that I've given, a couple of TED Talks. You can type David Houle into Amazon, uh, and you'll see all the books that I've written. And as you know, Jeff, you know I, stand, I walk the talk by transformation. Uh, my new book, Entering the Shift Age, which you can get at Amazon and in Barnes & Nobles and bookstores, uh, by the time it came out as a book, I'd already sliced it into 12 mini ebooks, And I think that is one of the future models of, of uh, book publishing is not unlike iTunes, right? You buy a song, see if you like it. You buy a chapter on the future of education, see if you like the rest of the book. So just type David Hull onto the browser and you'll get my website, type it into YouTube, type it into Amazon, type it into Google. And you can pretty much go down the wormhole of endless uh, exploration on the Internet. Fantastic. Well, David, uh, it's great talking with you, as always. Thanks for joining the show today and giving listeners a uh, little glimpse into the future. Well, it's my pleasure, and I just want to say, I, you know, I've always learned from my interactions with you, and I do, and I think your, your current book is a book that, I mean, I've already recommended it to a number of people and so it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and it always will be. So thanks for having me. That's it for my conversation with David Houle. Do be sure to visit David at evolutionshift.com and also check out his new book, Entering the Shift Age. You can find links to both his website and the book on the show notes for this episode, along with other resources. And again, you can get those at learningrevolution.net slash episode 16. If you are enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, as always, I would appreciate it if you would make a quick trip over to iTunes and give it a rating or a brief review. You can do that by simply going to learningrevolution.net slash iTunes. I also encourage you to tell others about the podcast. One way you can do that is by going to learningrevolution.net slash share, and that will automatically pop up a tweet for you that you can send out to your network. I would welcome any comments from you about the podcast, any questions you have, anything you'd like to see covered on a future show. You can tell me those things by going to learningrevolution.net slash contact and using the form there, or you can use the voicemail feature on the learningrevolution.net site, and you'll see that over to the right when you get to the site, and it'll uh, usually pop up a, a little message saying that you can leave a voicemail there. So leave me a voicemail, let me know your questions, let me know your comments, and I might use those in a future show. 
In the meantime, thank you for listening. And this is Jeff Cobb signing off from the revolution. <laughs> <laughs>